Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to Renewing the Center. This is Chris and I'm just really thankful to be back with you. It's been more than a week since the last episode, so I apologize. Uh, Life sometimes gets away from us and I've not yet got to a point where I've got a head on the podcast. God willing, in the next month or so, I'm going to take some extended time and really try to map out and get ahead so there'll be a predictable uh, drop date for podcast episodes. But for now, um, you had to wait 10 days if you uh, are following us on a week-to-week basis, and I'm sorry for that. Uh, today, we're going to look at Ishmael and uh, the, the child born to Abraham uh, from his slave mistress, Hagar, and it is found in Genesis 16. So if you are reading along with me, you can go ahead and go there. I'm going to read from the NIV today, actually. And then we're going to pray, and we're going to look at what is undoubtedly a low point in Abram's faith journey. Uh, this is this is tough. Um, and next week, we're going to look at how God doesn't give up on him, <laughs> which is such good news. Uh, really, Genesis is just an amazing story of human frailty, human fickle nature, and God's faithfulness. And we're going to see that over the next couple of episodes in really beautiful ways. But first, let's read. Let's consider what's before us. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she, Hagar, knew that she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress, Sarai. Then Sarai said to Abraham, You are responsible for this wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, the angel did, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where are you coming from and where are you going? (laughs) That's a profound question as an aside. When God or one of his agents asks us where we're coming from and where we're going, (laughs) he's asking us to stop and think about what's going on in our lives. I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. And then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael for the Lord has heard your misery. Get this. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. Goodness, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray and then let's try to see what we can see here in Genesis 16. Father, we thank you for the Bible. Specifically, we thank you for the power and the beauty and the messiness of Genesis. Lord, we pray that you would help us today as we um, engage these words with an eye toward what does renewal look like for us? How, How might we see our centers, our core renewed? I pray that you would speak to each and every person listening to this, and me included, Lord, I pray that you'd meet us in this reflection in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So it's important for us to remember where we are in the story in Genesis 16. God has promised on multiple occasions to Abram and Sarah that they will have descendants, that out of them will 
flow good news that will reach the very ends of the earth, that that we go way beyond the, the Jewish story here. God's saying, I've got big, big things in the future for your family. And yet where they are in Genesis 16 is that they, and, and specifically in this moment, Sarai is looking at the bleak facts. Like it's probably been some time since that promise came and here they are getting older every day, still childless. So they're looking at the the facts. Uh, they're looking at what's right in front of them, and they're not seeing any movement. They're they're hearing the promise, and they're starting to maybe think what we often think when we get ourselves in a place where there's been a pretty significant elapsement of time between promise and what we thought would be fulfillment. They just think we got to take matters into our own hands, and it's the most complexity-inducing decision of their lives. Uh, Sarai says, "I've got a slave." Um, an Egyptian woman, um, Abram, just marry her, add a wife, have a kid. Maybe that's how God's going to provide for us. So they create an alternative plan. They um, they take matters in their own hands. And as I think about my own life and I think about like the most complicated difficulty I've experienced at various junctures in my life, they've almost always resulted for me taking matters into my own hands. You know, like thinking, well, it's down to me. I got to figure it out. And when we get our hands on life in a way where we try to make some things happen, oftentimes the result is uh, trouble. It's, uh, it's difficulty. And that's what happens here. Um, they take matters into their own hands. They uh, can't wait. And I'm sympathetic. You know, I don't, I don't think five minutes elapse between the promise and then them doing this. They, they've already had a number of false starts where God has told them something good and they've just struggled to stay on track. And I think time uh, and the more time that elapses, uh, the harder it is to stay on track. Uh, and some of you are probably listening to this right now. It's like you you thought, you know, the Lord was leading you in one way and things don't seem to be working out or uh, there's been a twist or a turn or something really painful. And when we get into those places, you know, there are times where we just think like, dang it, I'm just going to figure this out by myself. And that's really what Sarah and Abraham are doing in this moment. They're um, they're using God language, but really they're just like, I think we have to figure this out on our own. So what what happens here they trade um trust for action they trade intimacy for a different more transactional kind of intimacy and when i just think about quite literally this this moment where abram takes another woman i i think this is a moment this was a, a fork in the road in his own spiritual journey he and Sarai, they trade the, the the trusting in the promise of God for human endeavor and action. They they trade their intimacy for another kind of significantly transactional intimacy. Uh, they just want to get a job done. They want to make a baby. Now, the promise was that a multitude would come from them. And then it's fascinating to me that how... Abram and Sarah, I thought one child with a household servant would accomplish this. It's actually not very clear that they're thinking it all the way through. They're just like, we need to just try to like figure something out. And so at first glance, I think this doesn't make any sense. Like if you've been promised that you're going to have descendants that number more than the stars in the sky, then what on earth do you think you're accomplishing when you just say, well, I guess I'm going to just like do this one thing to see if I can just get started and make a make a baby. So when I first was considering this, I was like, this is just such a terrible decision. And then 
the more that I've meditated on this in light of my own life, my own journey, the more it makes sense. Because I actually think what Abram and Sarah were facing is something very similar to what we all face. They were um, facing an instinct around scarcity versus abundance. If God had promised an abundance that they could not manufacture, they are living in a place of scarcity. And what a scarcity mindset does for all of us, including Abram, Sarai, and you and me, is it invites us, it compels us to take matters into our own hands in order to accomplish something, just something, just get something done. How often have you just thought, I got to make something happen? And usually when we take matters into our own hands just to try to hurry a process along or make something happen, usually things don't go super well. They certainly don't for Abram and Sarai. Abram and Sarai's choice in this moment comes nowhere near abundance. It's not God's work. It's their work. And as I look at my own lives, I think, man, how many times have I traded the longer pathway, the frustrating pathway of waiting for God to do what only God could do for me just saying, I'm going to get something done right now. I can even think about some of my own like vocational struggles and Moments where I knew that some somebody was probably the Lord was going to invite them to move on, that there was change out on the horizon for them. But I just, in my own anxiety, had to make something happen, like had to push um, to try to get to a clarity with someone versus just allowing the Lord to do what he was going to do. You, you have a version of this. We all do. Moments where we just get our hands on stuff. And what happens? They sidetrack. They create complexity in their life that is a sidetrack. And it is tough for them. I mean, listen to the promise that God made to Hagar. Your son's going to be against everyone and everyone's going to be against him. He's going to be a wild donkey of a man. I mean, no one wants to hear that about their kid. And yet because of the hasty action, because they tried to do just do something in their own strength, they created a dynamic of resistance and conflict and opposition that then became persistent. I, I, can, I feel this in my own life. There are some Places of resistance and difficulty that have remained persistent because of sins of just trying to like take matters into my own hands, figure it all out, get it done in my own strength versus looking to the Lord. So here they are. Um, they got conflict, division, and strife. And the Ishmaels in my life have always created conflict, division, and strife. Places where I went my way versus God's way. Now, here's an interesting thing for you to consider. Um, Abram and Sarai, their way, you know, taking matters into their own hands, um, for them was like hasty action. It occurs to me, even as I sit here at this microphone, that for some of us who are more avoidant, um, you're taking matters into your own hands might be a refusal to confront an issue, to sort of avoid an issue until it becomes unwieldy and out of control. There have actually been times in my life where that was actually my sin. That was how I took matters into my own hands was conflict avoidance and peace at all cost. And then things get weird and weird in a way that you just can't reel it back in. So wherever you are, whatever your tendency is, just know that your way versus God's way, it's not a one size fits all thing. But the cost and the reality here is that when you take your own path versus God's path, the cost is a, a, an expensive one. It's painful. Um, so whether you've made things happen or you've avoided, um, we can sin like Abram either way if we're not careful. And yet here's the thing that I find interesting. God protects life 
both the promise for Abram and Sarah, but he also protects Ishmael's life. Ishmael is a pain, and yet God loves him and protects him. And there's something there. That's a, whoo, there's some complexity and some layer there. Like there may be things in your life that you think like, I just wish those would be cut right out of the story and they might persist and God has a pathway for that thing. Um, a decision you made that put you in one space and another person in another or a church in one place and you in a different place or a job or a relationship. You know, the thing that I love about the mystery of God's provision for Ishmael in this uh, text in Genesis 16 is that God's bigger than us. He's able to take care of a whole lot more than we could ask or imagine. Or even at times, he's able to take care of more than we would want him to take care of. But you know what? Abram's really messed it up now. And you would think that God would be finished with him. I mean, come on, y'all. God promised him, and then he said to his wife, like, you're beautiful. Be, act like you're my sister. Then she goes into a harem. I mean, that was a terrible decision. He's questioned over and over and over again. He's made bad decision after bad decision. And you would think, like, this is the straw that breaks the camel's back, right? Like, he goes outside of his marriage. He makes a rival promise that is now going to plague him. <laughs> you think, done. But that is not the case. There's more to come. This story is not over. So I would just say that if you are sitting in a place where you think, like, I have just made a mess of some stuff, I just want to say to you, your story is not over. If God's faithfulness would carry Abram and Sarai through all the twists and turns, including their own limitations, their own, um, not just their own frailty and finitude, but their own, like, sin, uh, if he can be faithful with them, as we will see in this story, he can and he will be faithful with you. So tune in next week. We're going to be in 17 and 18, and I think it's going to be actually a really fun. Next week's one of my favorite um, episodes in the Bible. I think it's just an amazing one. So I hope to see you next week. God bless you guys. Go in peace.